Welcome to Music History Monday for February 5th, 2024. I'm Bob Greenberg, and the title of today's podcast is Getting Back to Work. If you haven't already, please consider joining me on my subscription site at patreon.com slash robertgreenbergmusic, where I blog, vlog, podcast, pontificate, review, and bloviate four to six times a week. On February 5th, 1887, 137 years ago today, Giuseppe Verdi's 25th and second-to-last opera, Otello, received its premiere at the Teatro alla Scala in Milan. The premiere was the single greatest triumph in Verdi's sensational career. But it was a premiere and an opera that was a long time coming. Background. He was born on October 10, 1813 in the Styx, in the tiny village of Lurancol in the northern Italian province of Parma. Verdi's first opera, Alberto, received its premiere at the Teatro alla Scala in Milan in November 1839, when Verdi was 26 years old. Oberto was a modest success. It received 13 performances, and based on its success, the management at La Scala offered Verdi a contract to compose three more operas. Verdi had begun his second opera, a comedy called A King for a Day, when catastrophe struck. He lost his wife and two young children to disease during a horrific 20-month span between 1839 and 1840. Rendered nearly insane by the deaths, Verdi nevertheless battled through his grief and managed to complete A King for a Day. The opera received its premiere on September 5, 1840. It was booed off the stage and its run was canceled on the spot after that one performance. For Verdi, the experience was excruciatingly painful, and it's one he never forgot. Twenty years later, still mad as hell, Verdi wrote, quote, The audience abused the opera of a poor, sick young man, harassed by the pressure of the schedule and heartsick and torn by horrible misfortune. Oh, if the audience then had, I do not say applauded, but had borne the opera in silence, I would not have had the words to thank them. Today, I accept the public, I accept its whistles, on the condition that I'm not asked to give back anything in exchange for its applause." Unquote. From that night in September of 1840 to the end of his life, over 60 years later, Verdi's personal relationship with the public was set in his own mind, and, as far as Verdi was concerned, it was not an affectionate relationship. He later wrote that as a result of the A King for a Day fiasco, quote, At 26, I knew what the public meant. 
From then on, successes have never made the blood rush to my head, and fiascos have never discouraged me. If I went on with this unfortunate career, it was because at 26, it was too late for me to do anything else." Unquote. Yeah, Verdi was a tough, taciturn, straight-talking, no-nonsense man to begin with. The loss of his family and the failure of a king for a day made him doubly, triply, quadruply so. Still, with the help and support of La Scala's director, Bartolomeo Morelli, Verdi continued to battle through his grief over his family and rage over the fiasco that was a king for a day to compose his third opera, entitled Nabucco. Nabucco, which received its premiere on March 9, 1842, also at La Scala, was a smash hit from which Verdi never looked back. The Galley Slave No composer ever worked harder than did Giuseppe Verdi. In the 14 years between 1839 and 1853, he composed 19 operas. Verdi called these his galley slave years because he worked like one, 16 to 18 hours a day, always under deadline, endlessly harried by librettists, producers, singers, critics, and conductors, always emotionally depressed and physically ill with some bug or another. According to Verdi, he hated the whole stinking opera trip, and as early as 1845, at the age of just 32, he was already thinking about retirement. On November 5, 1845, he wrote to a friend in Rome, quote, Thanks for remembering your poor friend, condemned to continually scribbling notes. God save the ears of every good Christian from having to listen to them. How am I, physically and spiritually? Physically, I am well, but my mind is black, always black, and will be so until I have finished with this career that I hate." Unquote. Retirement at last. As it turned out, it wasn't until late 1875 that the now 62-year-old Verdi, still in his prime and at the top of his game, dropped his thunderbolt and did the unthinkable. He informed his nearest and dearest, his second wife, his friends, and his publisher, that he was through as a composer. After 24 operas and one requiem, Giuseppe Fortunino Francesco Verdi was done, finito, when his great friend, Clarina Maffei, told him that he had a moral obligation to compose, Verdi wrote, quote, Are you serious about my moral obligation to compose? No, you're joking, since you know as well as I that the account is settled, unquote. With a sigh of relief likely heard across the Italian peninsula, Verdi sat down on his recliner, put up his dogs, 
and settled down on his estate called Santa Agata, just outside the town of Buzzetto in his native province of Parma in north-central Italy. To a friend, Verdi wrote, quote, Now that I'm not manufacturing any more notes, I am planting cabbages and beans, etc. But since this work is no longer enough to keep me busy, I have begun to hunt. That means when I see a bird, poof, I shoot it. If I hit it, fine. If I don't hit it, also fine." Unquote. As it turned out, the only person happy about Verdi's retirement was Giuseppe Verdi himself. Verdi's second wife, Giuseppina Streponi, 1815-1897, and isn't that cute, Giuseppe and Giuseppina, was not at all pleased about having her cantankerous husband underfoot all day. Giuseppina, who was herself a retired opera singer, also understood that her husband's retreat from opera denied the opera-going public the further fruits of his genius. And Giuseppina was not alone in this. Verdi's publisher, his friends and colleagues, the general population of Italy, and opera lovers everywhere across the globe believed his retirement to be un disastro, a disaster. For four years, Verdi happily puttered about his estate, buying additional tracts of land, experimenting with new crops and animal husbandry, making additions to his sprawling home, shooting birds, or at least attempting to do so, with his custom-made shotguns, and generally living a life that seemed to suit him entirely. The Plot Verdi's absence from the opera stage might have made him a happy camper, but had created an artistic and economic vacuum in the Italian opera industry that no one else could fill. Verdi was, in fact, still in his prime, so as far as the people around him were concerned, by 1879 it was time for him to get back to work. So it was that in that year a plot was hatched that intended nothing less than to get Verdi back to composing opera. Here's what happened. In June of 1879, Giuseppina threw a dinner party for Verdi's publisher, Giulio Ricordi, 1840-1912, and some others. During the course of the dinner conversation, the subject of Joachino Rossini's opera, Otello, based on Shakespeare's play and composed in 1816, was casually broached by someone or other. The libretto Rossini set, written by the Neapolitan scholar Francesco Berrio de Salsa, was trashed by the assembled guests. And then, during this presumably spontaneous conversation, Verdi's publisher Giulio Ricordi, whose own livelihood was bound up with Verdi's music, mentioned to Verdi that the writer, librettist, and composer Arrigo Boito 1842 to 1918, just happened to be working on his own libretto based on Shakespeare's Othello, and would Verdi, just as a matter of courtesy, mind taking a look at it? Giuseppe Verdi was nobody's fool. 
He suspected he was being set up, and indeed he was. Many years later, Giulio Ricordi recalled, quote, At the mention of Shakespeare's Othello, I saw Verdi fix his eyes on me with suspicion, but with interest too. He had certainly understood. He had reacted. I believed the time was ripe." Unquote. Verdi played along. He met with Arrigo Boito, read his draft libretto, and told him that one day it would surely come in handy with some composer or another. A classic blow-off, or so it seemed. But Signore Boito would not be denied. Based on Verdi's comments, he rewrote the libretto, which he sent back to Verdi in late 1879. And then? And then niente, nothing. Years passed. Verdi would on occasion pick up and reread Boito's libretto, then write to Boito and suggest ever more changes. Boito would immediately comply with Verdi's suggestions and then return the updated libretto to Verdi. Without a doubt, it was Boito's patience, persistence, and flexibility that kept Otello alive in Verdi's mind. In March of 1884, Boito again visited Verdi, after which he wrote to Giulio Ricordi, quote, I have good news for you, but for charity's sake, don't tell anyone. Don't tell even your family. Don't tell even yourself. I fear I have already committed an indiscretion. The maestro is writing. Indeed, he has already written a good part of the opening of the first act and seems to be working with fervor." Unquote. It's true. After staring at Boito's libretto for five years, Verdi's creative fire ignited, and he began to compose Otello. Verdi wrote, to Boito, quote, it seems impossible, yet it is true. I am busy and I am writing, unquote. On November 1st, 1886, over seven years after that famous dinner party, Verdi wrote to Boito, quote, e finito, it is finished. Here's to our health and to Otello's as well. Adio, unquote. Boito's response, quote, the great dream has become a reality, unquote. The premiere. The premiere of Verdi's Otello on February 5th, 1887 at Milan's Teatro alla Scala remains one of the greatest events in the history of opera. As curtain time approached, Boito and Verdi's wife Giuseppina took their seats next to each other in their box. Verdi, typical to form, remained backstage, where he could pace and twitch to his heart's content. The ovations began during the first act. The chorus Fuoco di Gioia had to be encored. After the first act, the audience demanded that Verdi take the first of his many curtain calls. An eyewitness named Gino Monaldi recalled that when Verdi came out on stage, quote, an immense shout made the theater rock. 
Verdi bends his head slightly and smiles, the frantic enthusiasm of the huge gathering bringing tears to his eyes. Unquote. The applause and cries of bravo and viva Verdi grew and grew as the opera progressed. In the fourth act, Desdemona's Willow Song had to be encored, and when the curtain came down after a moment of brief silence, pandemonium let loose. Dozens of curtain calls ensued. Verdi asked Boito to come down from his box and onto the stage, where he took his hand and drew him out before the audience. Boito later said that it was a gesture he would never forget. Verdi biographer Mary Jane Phillips Matz describes what happened when he tried to leave the theater. Quote, when Verdi, Giuseppina, and Boito left the theater, the mob at the stage door nearly tore Verdi's clothes off. His carriage had moved only a few feet when the crowd began to shout, take away the horses, and unharness the team. More than a dozen men tried to lift the carriage onto their shoulders. Finally, it was drawn to the Grand Hotel de Milan by manpower. Verdi, Boito said, was pale with emotion. At the entrance to the hotel, the three tried to get out but could not. Verdi then managed to leave the carriage alone, entrusting Giuseppina to Boito. As he fought to reach the door of the hotel, the crowd, which Boito described as insane, surrounded him. Eventually, Verdi, his librettist, and his singers came out onto the balcony facing the Via Manzoni, where they were greeted with waves of applause and shouting. Music was played under his windows until five o'clock in the morning." Unquote. Otello was instantly embraced as one of the handful of best operas ever, and the world rejoiced. After 16 years since the production of Verdi's previous opera, Aida, in 1871, a conspiracy of friends had brought Giuseppe Verdi back. For our information, Verdi and Boito were not yet through. Together, they would create one more opera, Verdi's last, the comedy Falstaff, which received its premiere on February 9, 1893, again at La Scala. Postscript. La Scala's assistant principal cellist at Otello's premiere was the then 19-year-old Arturo Toscanini. A few weeks after the premiere, he returned to his home in Parma. Toscanini was still so excited about Otello that on arriving home in the middle of the night, he woke up his mother and told her, quote, get down on your knees, mama, and say, viva Verdi, unquote. As the story goes, she did exactly that. Thank you. To sample and download one or all of my many courses on subjects musical produced by The Great Courses slash The Teaching Company, please visit my website at robertgreenbergmusic.com.